Well, I feel like I haven't seen some of you for a while. I was gone for a few weeks last week. A lot of us were gone. Some of us traveling, some of us serving in the community. We had a lot of people out serving on the Boston Fest weekend in a lot of different ways. Some of us, uh, on behalf of the church, some of us, because we're involved in a number of organizations and we serve, and it was just uh, really neat uh, to know how many uh, people were out there serving last weekend um, and, uh, as a result, didn't get to join us in our fabulous Sunday morning service. I'm just going to move a few things so I can move around here. So it is good to, good to be back. We're going to wrap up our series today on serving. Uh, it's been a great series. We've looked at a variety of ways that Jesus serves, that we serve, and uh, we explored a lot of different avenues of that. And we talked about, remember when we started, we talked about how we could summarize the life, the ministry, the, the teaching, what Jesus did, his, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, his ongoing ministry. We could summarize it with the hashtag, Jesus saves. That's true. It kind of summarizes everything about the gospel, everything that we believe. But we could just as easily summarize the life and the, the ministry and the teaching and the death and the resurrection and the ascension and the ongoing ministry of Jesus. We could just as easily summarize it with a hashtag, Jesus serves as well. Because they go together. Jesus actually saves us through his service to us. Jesus himself, remember that time he was, he was teaching his disciples, they'd been arguing about who was the greatest, and, and he was trying to help them understand how it worked. And right at the end of that passage, he said to them, when he kind of summarized it, he said, for even the Son of Man, that's a title Jesus used to refer to himself, even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. Isn't that amazing? I mean, he's talking about the whole purpose for which the Son of God came. Ruler of the universe. Was not to be served, but to serve. And then he went on, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus himself tied together his service and our salvation. He made the connection. Jesus saved us by his service to us. Because of his service, we're able to be in relationship with his Father. We're able to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We're able to live according to his will every day of our lives. His service helps us pray when we're confused. It helps us love when we're exhausted. It helps us give when we feel depleted, like we can't give any more. His service to us helps us know what's important in life. It also helps us know what's not important in life. His service to us keeps us renewed, keeps us purposeful individually and as a church. And so as we, as we wrap up this series in giving, I want to ask you a question. What keeps you serving others when serving others gets hard? Well, just think about that. What keeps you serving others when serving others gets hard? You know, there's times when it's tough to stay motivated. So what keeps us serving? What, what, what keeps us giving? What keeps us leaning in instead of just pulling back and saying, you know what, I'm done? It, it's probably not because we're overly nice or gracious. At least, I'm not. Some of you probably are. But it's not just because we're a special breed of folks, you know, that just have an extra quotient of the giving nature. No, I think it's because we know that we've been served. 
you ask why we're happy to serve others, I think it's because we've come to an understanding of how much Jesus has served us. But that's at the root of it. He served us by becoming one of us. He served us by healing, by, by teaching, by loving in ways that revealed the Father's heart for us. And we can see his commitment to see us whole again. Each one of us individually, our families and the world that he loves. Jesus served us by living the life that we couldn't live, dying the death that we deserved, rising again to new life, and then offering it to us. And then while he was doing all that, he was setting examples for us of how we should love, how we should serve, how we should give. We serve because we've been served. But you know, I think it's more than that. It's more than just we have been served, past tense. That's all true. That's the foundation of our faith. But it's also true that Jesus continues to serve us today. He's present. He's here. By the Holy Spirit, Jesus is present here. And there's no place where that's more clear, I think, than when we gather around the table of communion, which we're going to gather around today. That Jesus himself is here. He's offering himself to us. He's serving us today, meeting us right where we're at. So, where do you need Jesus to serve you today? Now, some of you probably never asked that question before. You never really thought of it that way. But I want you to ask it of yourself. Where do you need Jesus to serve you today? Have you been battling with discouragement? Maybe there's a situation in your family that is not resolving and you feel really down about it. Maybe you've been struggling with a health concern and it just seems like it's not getting better and you were so discouraged. Maybe there's a conflict at work that it, it just feels like no matter what you do and no matter what you try, it does not help and you're really discouraged by it. Some of you maybe are frustrated. Maybe you're really frustrated with a, with, with a kid of yours. I don't know anything about that. <laughs> maybe you're frustrated because there's something in your life that you've wanted to deal with that you've been trying to overcome and it just seems like Every time you try, it's like one step forward, two steps back. And you're frustrated. You're frustrated with yourself. Maybe you're frustrated with someone around you. Maybe you're lonely. And you need Jesus to meet you in your loneliness. Maybe you're really sad. Maybe you've been struggling with mental illness. Maybe you've been struggling with a deep depression. And this morning, if you were to be honest, you'd say, you know, where I need Jesus to meet me, where I need Jesus to serve me, is right here in my darkness. Where do you need Jesus to serve you today? Maybe you've just discovered, looking in the mirror, as it were, that you have an issue with pride. And you've just realized it for the first time. A little crack has appeared and you suddenly realize, oh my goodness, I am so proud. And you need Jesus to serve you right there. To help you overcome your pride and 
embrace his humility. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's anger. Maybe it's been the kind of story for you where you feel like you've dealt with your anger, but then all of a sudden there's a conflict or somebody cuts you off or, or somebody bumps into you or, you know, the trigger happens, the, the, something, and all of a sudden this raging monster comes out of you that you don't even know where it came from and you're freaking out and it's like you've had a, you're having an out-of-body experience watching yourself lose it and wondering, where did that come from? Is that where you need Jesus to serve you today? In that place? Maybe you have been deeply hurt decades ago, last week. Maybe something that's been lingering for a few years. I don't know. Maybe a wound that you're carrying. And you realize that that thing has been festering. It's infected. And you need Jesus to serve you there. You need Jesus to step into that place where you've been hurt. Could it be that there's someone here who's become very cynical and jaded? That in your heart, whenever someone's happy, whenever something has good that has ha- you know, good has happened in their life, you feel like you just want to rain on their parade? Or maybe when there's something good that's happening in the community, you feel like, oh yeah, I know where this is going to go. I- I've seen this before. You know, it'll all go to pot soon. Have you found that you yourself have become just hypercritical, judgmental, cynical, whether it's about the work of God in somebody else's life or maybe in your own? Or maybe, maybe you're just plain tired. You know what I mean? That's, yeah. Just tired. Tell me about it. Is that where you need Jesus to meet you today and serve you? You know, it is Jesus who said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. And what's his promise? And I will give you rest. Come to me. That's Jesus' invitation. He wants you to come so he can serve you. I know we always think, he wants, he wants me to come so I can serve. And yes, we get to that, of course. But do you see what he's saying? He's inviting you to come so he can serve you. So he can give you rest. This is how it goes on. It says, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. Jesus says, for I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. This is the invitation of Jesus who wants to serve us. And today at the table of communion, Jesus invites us to come and to receive his rest. So what burdens have you been carrying that you need to lay down today? Are you needing rest for your souls? Where do you need Jesus to serve you today? You know, on on the night that Jesus was betrayed, we, we see Jesus eating the Last Supper with his closest friends. And in the Gospel of John, remember the Bible is divided in half, Old Testament, New Testament, and at the start of the New Testament, there's four stories of Jesus. 
The first three are very similar. And the fourth one, written by John, is quite different. It includes a lot of different stories. Well, in the Gospel of John, we witness an event that took place right in the middle of this meal. Something the other three Gospel writers don't actually talk about. And this event shows us in an unforgettable way just how much Jesus serves. At the start of John 13, this is how, how, how it starts. It says, it was just before the Passover festival. That's the big festival the Jewish people celebrate every year to celebrate God delivering them out of Egypt with his mighty hand. And they would come together and they would celebrate God's deliverance. That was the weekend <laughs> Jesus died. The greater deliverance. But that's another sermon. So it was the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. He's going to die. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Do you see the setup? All Things were coming to a head. The cultural and religious and spiritual and demonic and prophetic sort of forces were combining and they were all going to intersect this night on this weekend. Can you see them at the meal? Enjoying, sort of oblivious, most of them, to what's going on, although there is a traitor in their midst. And then it says this. These next couple verses is what I'd like to focus on for just for a moment. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So, let's just think about that little phrase for a moment. The Father had put all things under his power. What does that mean? And I, I just actually want to invite you just to shout out. Like, what does that mean that the Father put all things under his power? What could that mean? Go ahead, shout it out. Under his authority. What else? Okay, he could have stopped the situation right there. He had the power. That's right. What else? All things under his power. What else could it mean? Even in that situation, he was in control. Absolutely. All things under his power. What does that mean? Yeah, that's true. He's got it in hand. He's not out of control here. That's right. The father absolutely trusted the son. Yeah. He could have done anything he wanted. He could have, he could have changed the situation, as we said. He could have manipulated it. He could have just revealed everything to them so they, beyond the shadow of a doubt, they knew exactly what was going on. He could have outed Judas. You know, I, I think I would have stared at Judas all through that meal, giving him the evil eye. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? All things under his power, he's here at the table. In, in Paul's letter uh, to the Colossian Christians, he wrote about Jesus' power this way. Listen, listen to this. The Son, referring to Jesus, is the image of the invisible God the firstborn over all creation. For in him, all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, 
visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. The Father has put all things under his power. Not some things, not a few select things. All things under his power. But that's not all it said. Not only did the Father put everything under his power, Jesus knew that he had come from God and was returning to God. You know, most of us live our lives unsure, <laughs> unsure and a little bit foggy about where exactly we've come from, the forces that have shaped us. We're unsure sometimes where we're at from one day to the next. <laughs> Some of us spend, well, hours in therapy and a lot of money to figure out how exactly did our families do that to us? Trying to figure out the you know, sources of, of, of what has shaped us and maybe some of our family of origins. We, we try to figure that out. Try to understand who we are, where we've come from, everything that's made us who we are. And we certainly don't know the future, the way that everything's going to work out. If looking back seems a bit murky, looking ahead is a complete mystery. We try to figure it out, but the end of the day or the year... Maybe our lives, we realize that we really do only have today, and frankly, we're not sure we have much of that, or at least an understanding of it. But Jesus, he knows. You get that? He knows. He, he knows where he's from. He knows where he's going. He has the kind of knowledge, the kind of understanding, a depth of insight. He has an identity that is solid, a complete assurance. He has utter and complete confidence, the kind that we would only dream about. He knows he's from the Father, that he's enjoyed this eternal relationship, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, triune community. He's enjoyed that from eternity past. It'll be unchanged for eternity future. He knows why he's come. He knows his purpose. He knows his Father's will. And given all that, given his power and his place, and his status, and his destiny, Jesus then does something. See how the story sets this up? Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God, and he was returning to God. So. And that's so. This is a very famous story, and some of you already know what happens next. Some of you don't know what's happening next. And I envy you because I think I'd like to sort of press pause for all those of you who do know the story and just stop for a moment and ask yourself if that were me who had had all power. <laughs> if that were me who knew exactly where I was from and where I was going and was standing there at that moment knowing what was going to happen, knowing that I was worthy of all worship and honor and yet look what was going to happen to me. If that were me standing there, what would I have done at that moment? Well, what would you have done? Tell me, what would you have done at that moment if you were Jesus? Or if it were you there? Let's maybe phrase it that way. What would you have done? Walked away. Yes. What else? What would you have done? I would have told you what I would have done to Judas. Don't pass him the salt, you know. 
I would have stared at him through the whole meal. Or maybe I would have just said, Come on, you guys! You've been following me for three years! Don't you get it? You know, maybe I would have just kind of scolded. I, I don't know. Maybe I would have said, Come on, guys, I'm going to die later. You guys should be like, you know, you should really be serving it up, you know? Really appreciating me. What would you have done? If it were you. Well, of course, that's not what Jesus does. Jesus, the one through whom and for whom all things are created, knowing that the Father had put all things under His power, that He had come from the Father, and He was going to be returning to Him shortly, got up from the meal, took off His outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around His waist. And then He proceeds to wash the disciples' feet, performing the task that obviously, because they're in the middle of the meal, no one else had lowered themselves enough to actually do it. There wasn't a servant around. So everybody went to the table with dirty feet. And I don't know if it was John kind of rolled over at one point and Jesus got a whiff of his feet. I, I'm not sure. And went, whoa, we got to take care of some business here. No one else is going to, I'm going to. I don't know exactly how it happened. But somewhere in the middle of the meal, Jesus looks around and realizes, wow, you guys are dirty. <laughs> I'm going to take care of business. Somewhere in the middle of this most significant meal, Jesus got up and washes their feet. The one who created the world serves his creation. You see that? That was Jesus' response, knowing he had all things had been put under his power. That was what he did. It's always been a bit of a surprise to me, a bit of a surprise when I've studied the Gospels to see how John doesn't include the standard story that the other three Gospels include where Jesus breaks the bread, this is my body for you, you know. John doesn't include that. I think John does some other stuff in John 6, but here, here we see something else. See, earlier in John, John 6 actually, Jesus calls himself the bread of life. I am the bread of life, Jesus said. I'm the true bread that's come down from heaven. And John uses that metaphor even here at this meal. Here we see the bread of life himself being broken and being offered right here in service to his disciples. Right in the middle of this meal, the meal that has become communion or the Eucharist, the Lord's table, Jesus offers himself to us yet again. Jesus serves us even now. The bread of life comes to us and he offers himself to us. So, where do you need Jesus to serve you today? Do you need Jesus to wash away something dirty? Something that's become contaminated in your life? Do you need Jesus to challenge you to fresh service, that you realize you've become weary, become tired, and you need Jesus to renew your sense of how much he's served so that you can serve again. Maybe you need Jesus to meet you and serve you so that you gain a fresh new understanding of who he is and his love for you. Maybe you want to enter into the celebration this morning 
for the first time, maybe in a long time, where you can come and let Jesus just minister to you and give you a fresh sense of joy at this meal, to give you renewed energy. Maybe you come today and realize, I need forgiveness for a sin that's been dogging me. I I need to come clean. Where do you need Jesus to serve you today? That is our invitation. This morning at the communion table, Jesus is inviting us to come so he can serve us. At the Harrison Covenant Church, we've been taking uh, communion by intinction, which means you take bread and there's gluten-free options and you dip it in the juice. I'm going to offer it to um, some folks that are then going to offer it to us. And together we can receive the invitation of Jesus to come and let him meet us at the table. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that you serve us. That is an astonishing truth. That changes our lives. That you are not the kind of God who is constantly saying, come on, buck up, you need to work, you need to serve, but rather you invite us to come and let you serve us. And I pray this morning as we come to your table, we would let you serve us. We would open our hearts to you. We would open those places in our lives that are hurting that are sad, that are discouraged, that are lonely, that are angry, that are stuck. And we would let you in and let you serve. Thank you for your service to us. In your name we pray. Amen. Would those who are serving today join me at the tables? Let me just, uh, as we close today, our benediction, let me wrap up that bit of the story. So, at the end of this passage, when Jesus had finished washing washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I... Your Lord and teacher have washed your feet. You also should wash one another's feet. I have sent you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. And so, I want to send you today so that each one of us go with these words ringing in our ears to go now and serve as we have been served. To go now and as you have been loved, to love. To go and as you've been forgiven, to forgive. To invite as you've been invited. To accept as you've been accepted. To compel as you've been compelled. To give as you have been given to. To all of us who've experienced the service 
of our Lord Jesus Christ who has met us here today or recalling another story that we looked at in this series to remember the Lord Jesus who found us bleeding and dying beside a road, the one who poured in the oil, the wine, who bound up our wounds, who gently lifted our lifeless body, who worked on our behalf, our restoration, that you who in your very life bear witness to his gentle care and his loving restoration, that you would go now and do likewise. That as you have received refreshment, you would go and refresh others. That you would serve as you have been served. In the name of Jesus, our servant and our king. Let me pray for you. Jesus, I pray that we would be so taken with your service for us that our service for others would just be an outflowing of that. May you grace us with your presence and your power this week that as we have been served, we would serve. In your name we pray. Amen.